What's up, y'all? Uh, this is On The Rock Sports Nuggets Rewatch, episode two. I'm Connor Ducey. I'm here with my guy, Josh Fung, again. Josh, thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, appreciate you having me again. This is uh, what I have to look forward to every weekend. So. <laughs> did, did you just have an ESPN autoplay video? I was trying to uh, load the uh, part two of, of, of this game. So, <laughs> Hey, dude, uh, I've been doing the podcasting thing for close to, you know, 100 episodes at this point, and I've had, I've, put, I've played autoplay on a video uh, more times than I can count, so <laughs> been there. Um, so, yeah, last week, Josh and I, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, we watched the Oklahoma City game versus the Nuggets, where Gary Harris hit a game winner, and this week we watched um, – the Milwaukee Bucks game against the Denver Nuggets a couple weeks later in 2018 where Nikola Jokic had the quickest triple-double uh, in NBA history. He, he got a triple-double in 14 minutes, so that's a game, you know, as a Nuggets fan, I wanted to rewatch, and I'd recommend anyone, if you have the means, uh, if you have a computer that's okay going to sketchy sites to watch the game, I can give you the link. Um before before Josh and I get into that, I wanted to I want to start each episode out with uh, some quarantine content, some you know coronavirus, what we've been doing. And Josh, do you have any recommendations, movies, TV shows, books for the people that have a lot of time on their hands? I, I wish I could be a little bit uh, more, um, you know woke in a sense of having a book to recommend but i, I, don't. I, I did want to go off the beaten path of just netflix for the most part yeah. um so so one of the things that i've been doing a lot of since we've been kind of cooped up at the house is learning to cook more so i will say that like a good bit of content that's educational and kind of fun to watch is like youtube cooking shows and things like that so there's a couple of good ones uh binging with babish is a great one um, that's on YouTube and he essentially recreates food dishes from film and TV. So like anything that you've seen, uh, like, for example, like he'll do like the, like, um, you know, SpongeBob, he'll actually do the burgers from SpongeBob and things like that. So uh, it's kind of a cool thing to learn how to cook one. And then obviously it's, uh, you know, familiar if you've if seen in the movies yeah. or the TV shows that he alludes to so that's a that's a good youtube page bon appetit first we feast are all good for you know beginning cooks and, and I'm, things that writing this, I'm writing this down because i really am a beginning cook mm -hmm. my dude my main takeaway from quarantine so far is like how many dishes happen when you cook at home like two to three meals a day Oh, it's crazy. And I'm like, very, I'm very OCD about that kind of stuff. So like I have to cook and clean at the same time, which is a lot to, to keep up with. But luckily, my wife and I have like a good uh, dynamic to where I do all the cooking and then she ends up cleaning. So it's a nice give and take there. But doing yeah. a lot of grilling, trying to trying to get better at grilling and stuff like that. So that's a good one. And, and for one bit of content, that's like, I guess, a you know, a TV show, it's a documentary, but it's on Hulu and it's called The Most Dangerous Animal of All. And you and I were actually talking about Zodiac before we came on, but it's a documentary of a guy who was adopted, but learns that his birth father um, ended up being, or he theorizes that his birth father is the Zodiac killer who killed, you know, several yeah. people in the 
Northern California area in like the 60s and 70s. So it's just like an interesting kind of like a murder mystery type documentary that's, you know, not Netflix or anything of that of that nature. So I didn't want to say Tiger King because I feel like that's what everybody would say at this point. So I was and I know to, you're you yeah, still I know you stole my joke. I was about to be like, yeah, I've seen this documentary. I don't know if you guys have heard of it about a, you know, a Tiger Zoo. But, I'm sure that everybody who listens to this would follow you on Twitter. So they, they know your uh, your qualms about Tiger King already. Well, do, I mean, documentaries are very in right now, which I like. Like that's cool. But like Tiger King, four episodes. That's all I need. I don't need seven. Like one thing I will say that's fascinating to me about like this whole thing is I do think it's kind of interesting that everyone's in this together just because of the internet and like everyone has watched Tiger King. Like, everyone. Like, sports, politics, like, whatever segment you follow on Twitter. Like, Tiger King is just everywhere. It's just really interesting that it's, that's, like, like, there's so much content out there. At the same time, everybody watched that because it's the main thing on Netflix right now. Exactly. And it's interesting, you know, if that were to come out, you know, not at this point in time, I don't think it would reverberate the way it has. So I feel like a lot of like Netflix and, and Hulu and, and other avenues that have documentaries or content that's on the shelf, you would think, and like they've done with the MJ, you know, ESPN doing the MJ or moving up the MJ documentary. I feel like everybody's going to start pushing out content that they have, you know, yeah. to, to get people to kind of latch onto it. Well, it's, it's the perfect, I mean, Tiger King is the perfect internet sensation for 2020 like as a documentary because it has so much memeable content like if aaron hernandez thing dropped right now like everybody would watch it but that would be it we would talk about it uh but like tiger king it, it's jokes are living for an internet year which is like six days so yeah. it's it's getting it's i've seen so many tiger king jokes it's it's ridiculous yeah, that's pretty much all that that twitter in the internet is right now if we're not talking about the virus so yes which is nice i mean honestly i'm more into the and i'm more into the broncos right now that i've been in years just because it's like nice to have some real sports news like with free agency in the last week but that's a good point you want to give me a quick off-season grade for what y'all have done so far uh broncos i gotta give like a strong b plus it's been really good i think just briefly, they took advantage of a nice inefficiency, which is picking up guys on like the back end of their de- of their big deals that like teams sign them to and know they're not going to pay. So like trading for Bowie and Casey, I think was just like really smart because um, like I get that they're guys on the downside of their career, but it's like I'd rather pay those guys than you know overpay for guys that hit the market like off career years. So um, thought that was really good. Melvin Gordon, I'm not a fan of frankly but like the broncos have a ton of money so whatever i mean that's why i drop it down to a b b plus so what, what does that leave the running back situation now because all three of them are there now right yeah so i mean i just think they royce freeman not really in the equation i think melvin gordon i think pat Shermer, who's the offensive coordinator has like a history of really you know pass catching running backs are huge i mean he was with saquon who put up 90 catches or whatever so gordon is a much better uh out of the backfield as a receiver than Philip Lindsay. So I think that's the main thing. And I think they just don't trust Philip Lindsay to carry the ball more than 15 times, which I understand. Um, but Philip Lindsay is a significantly better run, runner than Gordon. So I think it's, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm hoping Lindsay still gets a bulk of carries, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you right now, it could always be worse. You could trade away a top five receiver for. Yeah, that's crazy, though. I mean, it makes me sick because I hate the Patriots, everything about the Patriots, like coaching tree. So it just upsets me as you as a Texans fan that Bob O'Brien is just, I don't even know what's going on yeah, with that. Definitely wild. And then you spend a good chunk of change on Randall Cobb to replace him. So. Yeah, which is like a bad deal. Like, I mean, he made, he's getting more money than like Robbie Anderson, right? Yep. Yeah. Robbie Anderson signed what a two year deal at like 14. And yeah. Randall Cobb is getting three years, like 35 million. So, yeah. yeah it's, a like, time, it's wild times in the NFL. And then I've heard from my buddy that we're also signing Tavon Austin. So, like, it's just like a bunch of very redundant yeah. um, wide receivers. So, it's going to be 2032 and somebody's going to sign Tavon Austin and be like, this is the year that he's really effective as a slot receiver. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, as you could, yeah, I'm more locked in on the NFL than I've ever been just because I'm like, oh, real sports news and like content. I love it. But that's why we're out here doing a podcast that I'm stoked about is to, you know, hopefully give some people some stuff to watch and listen to. So, um, my content from my recommendation, my Corona content of the week is didn't know if I'd like the show. It actually got recommended to me by my aunt, um, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Have you watched that? Oh, yeah. Jenny and I watched the first, I want to say the first season, and then she's kept up with it. But I think it's great. She was in House of Cards, if I remember correctly. So I remember her from that and just like. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, what I've watched. It's a show where I don't know if everyone would like it, but, like, I'm, like, the production, kind of, like, the acting, uh, really funny, and kind of one of those where it's, like, you would you would look at it and you'd be, like, this is weird. Uh, I don't know if I'd be into this because it's set in the 50s. It's obviously called Marvelous Miss Maisel, mm-hmm. uh, so you don't know what that means, but it's it's really funny. Uh, she It's really kind of a show about stand-up, so I recommend it. It's It's pretty great. Um, yeah. pretty into that right now. Uh, but yeah, that's, I wanted to start out with some quarantine content recommendations, uh, before we get into the nuggets. Um, so yeah, let's jump into it. The date was, let's see, the yeah. date was February 15th, 2018, the nuggets versus in Milwaukee versus the Milwaukee bucks, uh, win 134 to 123. This was a game I wanted to watch, like I said, because Jokic had the fastest triple-double of all time, which is pretty cool. Um, the stream that we have to rewatch it was the Bucks uh, broadcast who, like, barely acknowledged it. Like, I don't even think they said it was the fastest triple-double ever. And one thing, though, is, like, I think in real time, I don't think the Nuggets broadcast did either because they didn't know. I think it was actually, like, later that night that people put it out there like, that was the fastest triple-double in NBA history. So that's something I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening. But um, that's obviously why I wanted to watch this game. And it was probably one of the best Nugget shooting performances that I can remember uh, in recent years. Um, so, Josh, do you want to give me kind of, like, your thoughts on the Jokic triple-double or your main takeaway from, from the game? Yeah, I mean, in the first half, I guess the main takeaway from the fastest triple-double is, like you alluded to, I think it kind of snuck up on people. Um, Joker had 6-6-6 six, six, and six in the first quarter, so it was yeah. definitely like 
appeasable to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Set up with 10, 5, and 6 in the second. So, like we said, I, I just think that it snuck up on the, bro- the Bucks broadcast. Um, yeah. But even with that, they weren't very um, complimentary of the, of the Nuggets this game, considering yeah. they just had a uh, mentality of the Nuggets are just making everything and kind of like, yeah, being going to do if they make every shot. But uh, like you alluded to, shot making in the first half was probably, you know, the main difference and, and why this game, you know, it was a close game for the most part, but I don't I think we ever felt that, you know, the Nuggets were going to win this one. So shooting 71% from three in the first quarter and then following it up with 67% on 12 or on eight makes in the second quarter, mm-hmm. um, just going to yeah, and, and not to mention that, you know, despite Joker having the first half he had, it was guys like Will Barton and Gary Harris that shot the ball well um, that really kind of opened up this game to kind of the offense, the half-court offense that the Nuggets kind of wanted to play. Um, yeah. They did play a little bit faster than they did for most of this season as far as pace is concerned. But, uh, you know, just more open, like similar to the game that we watched against Oklahoma City, um, when the Nuggets kind of play this open, you know, spread out type of offense and get everybody touching the ball, it just kind of helps out, you know, shooting and gets everybody more comfortable and settled in the offense. Yeah, it was because in- I was really interested to watch it just because I obviously the historic triple double, but I was just like, is Jokic, is it going to be dominant? Are we going to notice? And it's one of those things. I mean, this is true of all triple doubles, like rebounds and assists, they can kind of sneak up on you, but he, it was fun to watch because he was definitely like he was in his zone as far as making shots. Jokic was, uh, you know, he had the, he had some tough uh, and ones. He also ended up going three for three from three during the game. So I thought he had an incredible first half. But like you said, with just the pace and how open it was, it was one of those things where it's like they were kind of just out there playing ball. And if you were just watching the game with no context, you it would. It's not like you would notice that Nikola Jokic was dominating the game. It was just kind of like um, him at, at his best at like what he loves, which is just kind of like open uh, flow offense, and it was really fun to watch. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that, like you said, it, it kind of sneaks up on you, but it, you know, it's not like a Russell Westbrook triple-double where everything he does is you know kind of extenuated and you know grabbing yeah. rounds of that nature. Joker gets triple doubles and got this triple double purely by playing his game. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where it's like a little bit different than everybody else. Um, I guess one other observation I did have from Joker in the first half is uh, due to the fact that, I mean, the Bucks threw Don Maker and Tyler Zeller at him. Oh, he was on the block a little bit more than he was against OKC. Yeah. So that was definitely, you know, different than the last game we watched. Yeah, that's actually interesting to bring up. Because, I mean, first of all, the competition definitely lower. But, yeah, you can kind of see these two games are an interesting juxtaposition of where Joker was at two years ago. Because, you know, Steven Adams, he was pretty much content to hang out on the perimeter. Um, I think he didn't really get buckets in the post at all that game. And then this game, he was definitely comfortable to get down there. So, at this point in his career, he was still kind of... You know, he wasn't going to dominate everybody in the post like he can now. So that was that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing with the triple-double that I just love, and, like, it was just fun to see Gary Harris, Will Barton. I mean, even Wilson Chandler, I think, hit two threes in the first half. Like, they are just drilling shots. And Jamal Murray drilling, drilling threes. And it's just, like, 
if these guys are comfortable on DHOs and kind of just like um, coming around Jokic screens, like you can hit threes, you can get open threes. So I just want that to happen again because in this game, these guys were just drilling their threes and Jokic gets assists from a DHO handoff. Like it's good to go. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the main difference in this Bucks team as compared to the present day Bucks team. Um, just the ability of their centers now to kind of be able to not only defend the rim but move their feet on offense on the per- or on defense on the perimeter is just mm-hmm. different than having you know a young guy like Thon Maker who's probably never going to be known for his defense, and then a journeyman like Tyler Zeller being able to you know try to you know, defend pick and rolls and dribble handoffs when you have three or four shooters on the floor at all times is just, you know, exponentially different than, you know, having pets. Right. But yeah, this, I mean, we talked about it a lot, so we don't need to discuss it too much, but like Gary Harris looked fantastic in this game again. Like he looked like, he looked like a, he didn't look like a star, but like he looked like uh, more than a role player. He looked like a very good starter, like a, you know, like a top 50 type NBA player. And so fun to watch. I mean, makes me want him to get back to that level. Yeah. Like you said, we kind of covered this last week, just the difference and kind of the way he moves and the fluidity of his game. It's just so much different when he's healthy than he is. And he, he's still like, you can see like, I mean, cause he, he's like got a very, you know, he's really cut. He's really quick. So you can still see it with him you know, in his movements on the defensive side and in the open floor, but just, like, watching his shooting and kind of, like, his moves offensively, he's just so much smoother in 2018. So um, we'll talk a little bit about the Nuggets offseason later, but, like, hopefully Gary can get back to that level at some point because he is 24. So Mm -hmm. he might be 25. I'm going to check that. Um, So, yeah, it was really – a lot of it came back to shot-making – also, Jamal Murray took seven threes and made five of them, which, you know, watching that in this game, it's kind of fr- it's not frustrating, but it's like this is what the Nuggets need from Jamal Murray every game. Not necessarily hitting five of them, but like you need to be taking eight threes, and not all of them were great looks. Like some of them were tough threes that he took and made, and like that's so important to uh, NBA offense in 2020. Yep, I think that this was actually subtly a quiet uh performance from jamal in a sense of like 26 but still like he, he still ended up with 26 but it wasn't as loud as the 30 or whatever he had against okc that we watched the other night yeah. but still um you know in a similar vein of what we alluded to last week jamal in 35 minutes was 162 offensive rating crazy crazy yeah he was nine for 12 this has to be one of his better just like more more efficient games i mean this i'd say as a whole is probably one of the nuggets most efficient games of the Jokic era if i had to guess definitely shooting from three this would have to be and i think that's one of those things when like Jokic gets hot like on the offensive end and i'm not just talking about putting the ball in the basket it's passing Mm -hmm. that nature it just opens so much up and people get open looks that they normally wouldn't yeah, I think, dude, I'd say, like I said, talked about this last week and mentioned it already, but just I noticed Wilbar and I noticed Jamal Murray and Jokic. When they when it wasn't a made basket, 
they're up the floor. Like they're really pushing the pace more than the, the Nuggets currently do. And I, I mean, I would like to get your thoughts on this. I think the Nuggets, they're low in pace and part of the Jokic DNA is that you can get a good shot every single time. So I think they're just very comfortable working the ball for a great shot or for a shot that they want. Um, they're very comfortable in the half-court offense, as they should be, because they're good at it. Um, I kind of, but like at the same time, two years ago, they weren't as comfortable. And so they're like, how, you know, we got to push the pace to score. I think the Nuggets could definitely use that more now. Um, interested in you and if you think that's take makes sense or not. I, I think it makes sense in, a, you know, in, in, in theory uh, of it being so effective in the past. And trying to get back to that because obviously the positive like residual effects of pushing the pace are the ones that kind of stick with you. Um, I think I will say that I don't know if this is his directive or if this has been like a conscious effort for Mike Malone, mm-hmm. but slowing the pace down and being more methodical in a half court offense is more indicative to how you're going to play in the playoffs. So I think that yeah. maybe it's trying to you know get everybody comfortable, especially Jamal and kind of with his relative inexperience and running a team from a half-court offense standpoint, I think that, you know, it might have some effect long-term, especially in playoff basketball. So I, I, I would like to see them push it more against certain matchups, um, like the Bucks, for instance, in this game. Like, they ran them out of the gym because, you know, when the Bucks set their half-court offense, even with this different team, they're a lot more formidable on defense than they would be kind of trying to run with you. So yeah. I think it is that, that steady balance that you're trying to find from pushing it and then running efficient half-court offense that they're still kind of working on. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the playoffs. And I mean, yeah, I think it's easy to be critical and not always think about the pros. Like I'm critical on the offense not being more aggressive, but like that's because there's a huge emphasis on, you know, uh, limiting turnovers and – you know, producing good shots. And at the end of the day, pretty hard on the Nuggets offense in 2020. And they are still a top 10 offense or, you know, right around there. So um, I do think pace could improve, but that's a really good point about kind of like setting yourself up for the playoffs and being, being comfortable in that setting. So. Yeah. And I, 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 like I said, I think that you can do that and probably not be second to last in the NBA in pace. I think that if you, or to ask the normal, probably above average NBA fan, you would never guess that the Denver Nuggets are second to last in pace. So, No, Chris Webber gets on the broadcast and is like, Nuggets, they run the ball. It's like, uh, yeah, I've never heard of them. We did, that's what the Nuggets did with Andre Miller, but <laughs> not really? anymore. Um, what do you think? All right, I think? I think most of my takeaways, we'll probably think of some other stuff, but most of my takeaways were kind of similar to the OKC the OKC game. What do you think of Giannis, and what do you how like how much do you think he's improved uh, now versus what we saw in this game? Yeah, I think that um, I think this is right on the cusp of like you know first tier Giannis because he still ended up with you know a triple double in his own right on pretty efficient scoring. Yeah, he uh, had real not to interrupt real quick. No, no. He had thirty six. Uh, 13 and 11. Yeah. So, I mean, that's still an amazing game against, you know, still like a pretty decent NBA defense. So I think that the main differences and 
this is in no slight to him is I think that the team that he has around him today is definitely a little bit orchestrated a little bit different and provides a little bit more spacing considering your seven foot center never gets anywhere near the paint. And uh, Chris Middleton also developing into the player, all-star caliber player that he is today kind of helps out. So I think that like, it's really, really tough to send multiple people at Giannis. And, you know, even when you do, once he has that head of steam going, I mean, you're not going to stop him. So I think you're seeing less of this in this particular game. Uh, but obviously his physical tools um, in this game are still just ridiculous as far as length is concerned. Um, I think he did hit a three. Yeah, he, had, he went one and two for three. Efficient shooting, kind of shared the ball. Uh, the one thing that kind of stood out to me, and you know, I actually did some research going back into it, is that he only had a you know thirty three percent usage, and I thought that that would be relatively low considering you know how much of the time he has the ball in his hands or mm-hmm. he's creating for other people. But even today, it's only you know around thirty seven percent. So mm-hmm. I think the main difference that we can kind of take away from this is one, it looks like he's definitely gotten bigger physically. Uh, yes. shoulders uh, strength wise uh, I think that today he just essentially drops his shoulder and runs through people where yeah. uh, as in this game he he kind of does it but I, I, I've always had the take of when playing basketball you can be as big as you want but playing big is a mental thing mm-hmm. so I think the early steps of him realizing that you know he has that strength to yeah. bump people off and get to the basket so I would say the strength is one, and I think just, like, comfort with his jump shot. Um, Like, he's taking multiple jump shots today, but I think that he's more um, comfortable getting to the rim and trying to draw fouls because he does have that in his game now. So I think those two things uh, definitely are a little bit better. And then, you know, when you come with a team that provides more spacing, you're obviously going to get better playmaking and creating for others. So I think that those three tiers are definitely different today than they were, you know, a year and a half ago. In this yeah, game. You de- this game definitely, like, the Bud system st- and the fact that he was surrounded by a bunch of good shooters now stood out just because, like, he would run into the paint, and if it wasn't open, nothing was going to happen. It was kind of like, all right, time to dribble it back out. Um, but, yeah, Giannis, pretty impressive for him to, like, improve as much as he had. Like, I think you texted me this, but that's not that common for someone to kind of – you know, a lot of superstars are always meant to be superstars. So for Giannis to improve as much as he has is pretty impressive. Um, totally agree that it's a huge physical leap for him in 2020 versus like this game. Um, like people, like this is random. I mean, it's not that random. People compare Ben Simmons to Giannis, and I'm like, yes, kind of. But like Ben Simmons throws up like ugly layups. Like Giannis dunks. Um, I think they're similar in the way you'd build around them, but Giannis is just, he's a beast at the rim, dude. Absolute beast. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of watching him, honestly, but uh, it is impressive how much he's improved in the past two years. So, Yeah, I, I would say, obviously, you kind of, you know, you mentioned that, that text message that it's, it's very rare and it's kind of seldom seen that you see somebody go from relative obscurity to, you know, a top player in the NBA. But I will say... I don't want to use the word obscurity because it's kind of negative, has a negative connotation behind it. But I will say one other player that it's a similar, like prominent rise and so quickly would be Joker himself in a sense of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of 
going from playing with Nurkic and being, you know, 1A, 1B type big man to being a top, you know, 10 player in the NBA is pretty similar. Yeah. Our international superstars, bro. Yep. Giannis is a little bit more marketable than Jokic, just a little bit. A tiny bit, but so far. If he was a real one, he would have represented Nigeria and not Greece. But Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe Jokic will get a signature shoe. He definitely yeah. okay. won't. Uh, it'd be a high top. It would definitely be a high top. <laughs> um, yeah, the, a couple random player shouts from this game. Uh, Tyler Zeller, I texted you. I was like, yo, is this his career high? And you told me uh, 26. I definitely would... You know, I have no idea which team he was playing for when that happened. It was Boston. But I remember looking it up, and that Boston team was like, I believe the second leading scorer in that game was Avery Bradley. So I was going to say that must have been the, like, tank year to get, I don't know, whatever. The, probably a Brad Stevens overachieving year. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So, it, you know, he was actually, I mean, he's, he's a serviceable NBA player. I, the one thing I noticed about this game that I never really noticed before is that for a right-handed big man, he only shoots left-handed. He strictly dunks and, and puts back. Yeah, you were much, much more locked in than me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, I, would, I would only think that that one month that he was a, uh, a nugget was because of this game. So. Yeah. <laughs> Two games in a row we picked. Hey, I mean, Mason Plumlee's a free agent. Maybe Tyler Zeller's our backup center next year. You never know. You never know. Uh, Jason Terry on the Bucks. That was that was good. That was yeah, good. He, that felt he, so wrong. He played. That, that's about it. Oh yeah, he yeah he he got minutes for them if I remember correctly, and he he played in the game. You want to uh, know what offensive rating was in the ten minutes he played? His defensive rating. Offensive rating. Defensive rating not so bad, but his uh, offensive rating. Eighty nine. Thirty seven. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I throw out 89, like, because I know it's going to be bad. No, it's a little worse than that. Um, Nuggets legend Sean Kilpatrick. Real ones, no. Yeah, um, four minutes. Darrell Arthur. Darrell Arthur did one. Finally, in this game, has lone possession of the zero because Emmanuel Moutier got traded, so he's double zero. Emmanuel was singular zero. Oh, yeah, the zero-double-zero zero situation. Yeah, that was the whole thing. I think there's only – it's actually happened more times than you would you would think, believe it or not. Uh, uh, I, I want to say that there is a – in Portland, there was a similar situation in which Dame has zero, so somebody else wore double-zero yeah. at some point in time, but yeah. Yeah, and then Devin Harris. Devin Harris hit two threes. Uh, Trey Lyles hit a couple threes. Trey – I think Trey was like horrible in the first half and then like had a really good got hot and hit three or four shots in the second half. And I was like, honestly, this game was a nice uh, Trey Lyles like experience in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, a microcosm of his NBA career because first half is terrible. And then he went on kind of a little bit of an offensive streak in the, in the third quarter, hitting back to back threes and having eight in the quarter. So like you said, it's kind of a, you know, a telltale sign of, of who Trey Lyles actually is. He's a class. He's a good, he's, he, I'm trying to put like a word. To, I don't think anyone's like really put together what you want to call players like this. He's a guy that where he like, he probably definitely would have been a starter 15 years ago on a team. Cause he's like good at basketball and he's like good at a different, 
at like a number of things, but he's like not great at anything, so he can't really be a role player in the modern NBA, you know? Yeah, it's weird because like his his thing is he's a scorer, but he doesn't score that well. So I think there's he, he, he's also versatile. He's big, so yeah, yeah he's he's still. Young. I think I think the best player you may you might disagree with this. I think the best player of what I just described in the NBA is like Tobias Harris. Yeah, you really do not like Tobias Harris as well. Yeah, that's true. I don't. I mean, it's similar players. It's just like a guy that is like very average at a lot of things. I think Tobias might be above average at like maybe one or two things. Tob- but- Tobias is like a good starter. So he's like he's good, but it's still like the same thing where I'm like, you're not, you know, I don't, you don't really scare me as a shooter. You're kind of like a scorer, but like end of the day, you're like a third option, you know? Yeah, even like a fourth. I mean, he's essentially the fourth option, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Tobias just catches random strays from me all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure you could find a tweet from me before last year saying Trey Lyles might be sixth man of the year. Uh, that was a good tweet. Yeah, I actually had to, like, look up Trey Lyles' stats. and They're not great. Are they not good? I saw that he was actually shooting pretty decent this year for the Spurs, but... Yeah, he shot well. It just, there's been no progression in actual, like improvement yeah. in scoring the ball it just i feel like he's just playing more yeah he he i mean he it's just a mentality thing mostly with him honestly that's i think you know you can relate that to the inconsistency and all that he's a he's a nice guy but he's just he's gonna be bouncing around i think yeah he's canadian canadians are nice so. <laughs> um i think that's might be might be all i have from this game if you haven't watched it Definitely, you know, worth watching um, kind of for the offensive explosion. Uh, yeah, fun game. Um, classic Nuggets, and it was really free-flowing and uh, definitely different offense than what the Nuggets operate in 2020. So you should watch it if you haven't yet. Um, fun game. It was a fun game. It was a good watch. I would say the only other thing we didn't cover is that Jabari Parker was on the Bucks at this time. Too. Oh yeah, he kind of was getting buckets too. I mean, that's all he does. So yeah, he, he he looked the if I could picture Jabari, he looked the exact same. I gotta assume that he physically looks like this now. Like that's it. That's who he is. Unfortunately, he was a stud, and it kind of just didn't work out. Yeah, it happens. Um, I mean, I guess we should say shout out to Gian. Similar thing with OKC, Giannis, their team. The Bucks definitely could have folded. I think they were down by twenty in the in the third quarter. Um, they hung around, and and that speaks to who the Nuggets were at this point too, which is not a team that could close the door on people. Um, and I think if this game, if the Nuggets had this type of shot making in a game in twenty twenty, the game would have been over in the third quarter. I mean. No games, not many games are over in the third quarter in the regular season in 2020 NBA, but like it would have been over with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, this game, it was still like they were hanging around. Mike, Mike Malone took a rage timeout with a minute 40 seconds left. So, yep. it's still, yeah, it, it was still a process at this point. The, at the point I'm at, y'all had just gone up 22 um, and then got a goaltending call. And I think this is where they, the Bucks kind of make their run to come back. So, yeah. Yeah. Jokic hit a really clutch three in the. I mean, it wasn't really clutch. 
I think the Bucks were maybe within like 12, maybe 13, and they were going on a run, and Jokic drilled a three, and that was when it really felt like, okay, yeah, all right, we're cool. Yeah, it's like one of those points where it's finally closed the door, that there's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities to do that, so. Yeah. Although it didn't, it was single digits in the last couple, but it never felt like it was going to, it was like, it was never yeah. going to happen, but they did get it to like nine with like two minutes or three minutes left or something. It was, the game dragged out a little bit, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, another, another classic, uh, classic Nuggets session, uh, Nuggets game. Let me know if you have any ideas on games that you would like to watch. I am planning on doing the, uh, Minnesota game, the last game of the season for the next podcast, just so everybody knows. Um, I have not watched that game since it happened and, I'm kind of excited, actually, even though that game was horrible. So. Do you, have you forgiven Wilson yet? Yeah, Wilson's my guy. Wilson's my guy. Uh, I'm still upset. I still am upset at the refs and Jimmy Butler in general. And, you know, having a perimeter player that, you know, bigs don't get calls. Bigs just don't get calls. So, you know, having a guy that gets calls is important in close games. That's you fair. Know? It is. Um. No, that's I actually no. It's Taj Gibson I'm mad at, not Jimmy Butler. So oh, that will be discussed. <laughs> uh, okay, so I had a couple couple questions um, for you. Just talk a little bit more. 2020 Nuggets, uh, Nuggets moving forward. Um, Nuggets definitely have some decisions to make, and then you know, really going to the trade deadline was this season was. Uh, time for tough decisions to be made with Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, um, you know, a bunch, pretty much a bunch of uh, pending restricted and unrestricted free agents. So um, they obviously traded Wancho and Malik. And as of now, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley, and Tory Craig are all going to be free agents. I mean, I'm assuming Grant's going to decline his 9 million player option. I would have to assume. Um, so I guess my first question to you is if you were, I'll just, we'll, I'll break it up into a couple questions. If you were the nuggets, who would you want as the starting power for next season? Would you do Jeremy Grant or would you do Paul Millsap? Uh, I mean, at this point, um, one of the notes that I have here is that just due to the kind of uncertainty that's surrounding not only the rest of the season, but the off season, mm. uh, I think you would be a little bit better off keeping the core intact. And I kind of use Paul Millsap in that core, quote unquote. Mm. Um, I know that you mentioned kind of when we were talking about this before, if there's like any opportunity or, you know, what you would see if, you know, Jeremy Grant and, and Paul Millsap were to play together. Mm-hmm. Um, hadn't been a ton of that this season. Um, and yeah. defensively, it looks like, you know, it's not as great as you would think of it on paper. Um, yeah. And I do think that provides a little bit of a logjam on offense. So, like, that kind of probably has to be ironed out. Um, I can give you – so I can give you my thoughts and predictions on that, and then you can bounce off that if you want. That's fair. Go ahead. Um, so I'm pretty bummed because I would have liked because Jeremy kind of just got his opportunity to get minutes with Jokic during this calendar year. So it's been probably twenty, 
20 to 30 games of significant minutes. And he's been, I mean, he's been really good offensively. Definitely not sure if he's a good enough defensive player to be like the perfect fit next to Jokic. But um, so I really wanted to see how it went down the stretch and kind of see if like Paul Millstap still looked good. Knowing the Nuggets front office, I'm kind of expecting them to pay Grant, um, have him as the starting power forward, and then bring bring Millsap back. Um, so my guess is starting Jokic and Grant, third big Millsap, and then fourth big kind of like a cheap big like Noah Vonley instead of Mason Plumlee. So that's kind of my that's my prediction as of now. Um, I think. Personally, I'm not sold on Jeremy Grant as like a stud. Like I think he's pretty good. I think as a guy to take over for Millsap, it's a, the best we can do right now. But like, is he a guy that the Nuggets are going to want to upgrade at some point? Probably. The problem is obviously tough position upgrade. So yeah, um, that's that's kind of my general thoughts where we where we stand right now. That's fair. I have some notes here about I think that. Obviously, having Noah Vonley there already. Um, do y'all have birds on Noah Vonley? You know, I'm not sure. No, you do not. Non-bird rights. So, I, I mean, Noah Vonley still, like, really had only 25, never got his real opportunity to kind of mesh with this team, considering the time that the, the trade was made. So, I think that that's still an option to be explored in um, the slightest I would say the other thing is, is uh, Kate Bates Diop really hadn't got the opportunity either. So I think that if you can try to, you know, in the in the chance that you do lose out on Jeremy Grant, if you can try to remake uh, his production with a couple mm-hmm. low salary guys, I think that that would, you know, this is a team that could probably afford to uh, kind of make that gamble. But then you would have to have a guy like Paul Millsap back. So yeah. uh, Plum. I'm- we I of, like Vonley, and I like Kata Bates Diop. So. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people did. It's just like a matter of him, you know, being able to make shots and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Are we not going to talk about uh, Troy Daniels being an unrestricted free agent? <laughs> Wait, who? Troy Daniels. I, I think Troy Daniels attempted one shot with the Nuggets, and it hit the side of the backboard. Shout out. That's he, a guy. He won a playoff game. Literally by himself for the Rockets against the Blazers one year. So I will ever, always have a uh, soft spot in my heart for Troy Daniels. I, I'm recycling content, but like I just felt really good about this tweet. Is uh, Troy Daniels has been in the NBA for like 12 years? It feels like, and I definitely had no idea what he looked like. But like someone said, Troy Daniels. I'm like, oh yeah, shooter. He shoots the basketball. Do, do I know what he looks like? No, absolutely not. I just he know. He, I know. What'd you say? He really does shoot a basketball. He, yeah. He's like a 40% career three-point shooter and takes like almost five a game. That's all. I mean, all he does, but. I love the pickup. And I honestly, I liked Jordan McRae pickup as like a, hey, if we're going to bring back a, you know, a two off the bench that can score for, you know, a couple million bucks. Loved it, obviously. Personal reasons, it didn't work out with McRae, but um yeah, honestly, I think obviously they made that trade for the first round draft pick. But as yep. far as, you know, key, key debates, the up, I think we'll definitely be back because it's a team option. Um, he's a guy where it's like, I could see him playing 15, 20 minutes, you know, a game, uh, mm-hmm. maybe not 20, maybe, yeah, 10, 15. And then Noah Vonley, I like, I actually liked him in New York. I know he didn't really 
have a good season in Minnesota, but I thought he was pretty good in New York. So, yeah, he's still. I, th- I mean, all those guys are like young wings who are still obviously Noah Bonley's on the the older end of that spectrum, but there's still mm-hmm. a lot of like development and, and things that can happen with a bunch of those guys. Well, yeah, if you're if you're a team that's spending a lot of money, there's definitely worse, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh player guys, you know. Yeah. So. But yeah, Grant is going to be interesting. Like, do you like him as a starter? Like, in general, just like kind of in a vacuum? Like, do you think he, do you, you're a fan of Jeremy Grant, right? I'm a fan of Jeremy Grant. I'm definitely a fan of Jeremy Grant in this team because I guess the, his lack of kind of creativity and ability to create for himself is kind of negated by the fact that you have, you know, two or three other guys on the floor at all times that can create for him. So, it's really about showing his ability to kind of be the defensive stalwart that you want him to be and yeah. then knocking down open shots. I mean, if you're only asking a guy of that kind of quality of basketball player to only do those two things, then, then yeah, there's really not a lot not to like. I think, yeah, I think for me, I mean, he's been, dude, he's a fantastic shooter. Like, I think he's at, he's at 38% over almost the last three years from three, which at this point, I think that sample's big enough to be like, yeah, he's a high 30s guy. He's got a pretty quick trigger. So, like, he's not a he's not a spacer. He's similar to Millsap where, you know, defenses aren't going to be, like, up on him. But, like, he's a guy where he's got a quicker release than Millsap. He'll punish teams if they don't, if they don't guard him out there. Um, my only concern is obviously, like, I want a physical presence. I want, like, an elite – ideally, I mean, it's not like – elite fours grow on trees but like i want a great defender next to Jokic. i don't think he's that i kind of have concerns with him as like kind of a physical presence he's like a really weak rebounder um relatively speaking so mm-hmm. but at the end of the day like he's a pretty damn good basketball player and you can't it's like you know what are my it's like am i going to bring 32 year old serge Ibaka in you know so i think End of the day, I think the Nuggets will pay him, and he will be the starter next season. It'll be interesting to see, I think, Millsap, kind of like leadership intangibles. It'll be interesting to see what number they want to bring him back at. Because I could, I could see them just being like, you know, uh, we're good. We're going to, you know, we're going to use the money elsewhere. Um, or we want more shooting or whatever it may be. So I honestly have no idea what they're going to do with Millsap. So... Yeah, I think Paul kind of, you know, considering his longevity in the NBA and kind of where he's been and just the amount of basketball he's played, because, I mean, that dude's played a lot of playoff basketball um, as well. I think that he'll have some kind of self-awareness and a sense of, you know, this is probably his last chance to really cash in on, on being on a winning team and being like a veteran presence, so... Age yeah. 36 is, yeah, not, a, not an age that you usually try yeah. to catch. I, I mean, and the Nuggets are still better. I mean, based on what we know, the Nuggets are better with Millsap and Jokic than Millsap and Grant. But I just you probably can't rely on 36-year-old Paul Millsap as a starter for another season, you know? Like, I yeah. just – that's asking for trouble. And I think that the – I mean, the market is not great um, for power. Not much money out there. Yeah, there's, there's not, so – I think like the Nuggets, the Nug like Millsap made them better, no doubt. The Nuggets that we watched last night, like that's more in play with Jeremy Grant. Like it's going to be more fun to watch them offensively. Um, 
they're going to get a lot more easy buckets. They're going to get more athletic, which I think is kind of like within the Nuggets world. Uh, Under-discussed issue is a lack of athleticism with the team, um, kind of built around Jamal, Millsap, Jokic. Uh, that's just not really an athletic team at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Jeremy Grant really does help um, help in a lot of ways. So I I do like him. I just I wish we got to see the rest of the season because I'm not I would have loved to see more. But uh, he's such a nugget. He's like quiet. Uh, seems like he just works hard, works on his game. Uh, chill guy. So that's that's a ton of the guys in the locker room. Yeah, he. I mean, as far as like a presence that's concerned, like that's a guy that you want on your team. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's a good Nuggets question. Plumley, you know, I'm kind of like people hate Mason Plumley. I like I think he's good. It's just, you know, it's the NBA is not as kind of those guys anymore. <laughs> like he uh, not being able to shoot sucks. So uh, but he he can be a good center for anyone in the NBA. I definitely feel that way. I agree. I think that, uh, I mean, he has bird rights, but an interesting pickup for like a backup center role that might be able to stretch a little bit. Um, he's not Wancho, but Willie would be like a good guy to bring, bring in. So. See how that goes. He's not that would make me happy. I don't know if it would make me happy or sad to see, you know, my second favorite Hernan Gomez every night, but I would, I would find a way to cope. There you go. I, I just felt Mason's going to get paid by somebody, I would think. So... He could be like, you know, I mean, I don't know, like the Cavs, like he would, he's a great center to like pair with a young point guard. He's going to set screens, uh, you know, going to finish lobs. Like he's a, he's a good player. He would be a significant upgrade in Miami over Myers Leonard. So. Yeah. 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 But Myers, you know, Myers shoots threes. I couldn't tell you if he makes them. He shoots them. That's yeah, for sure. He definitely shoots them. He shoots them. Um, yeah, so that Nuggets offseason will be really interesting. I mean, they're in the – it's like like the last couple of years, I 100% knew what they were going to do. Like, I pretty much – I mean, shouldn't say that. Like, I just generally knew what their strategy was going to be. This year, I'm like, I don't know. They're in a different phase of state of uh, team building. Like, it's kind of like now you're above the cap. Uh, it's about building the championship contender. So, it's it's interesting. I've, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, you're not even building at this point. I mean, you're just trying to, like, fine-tune what you already have because, I mean, right now it's it's good enough, so. Do you, uh, don't want to dive in too hard. Do you like Drew Holiday or Bradley Beal on this Nuggets team? Well, considering you'd have to... I should, I should actually, I don't think Bradley Beal is that realistic. Do you like Drew Holiday on the Nuggets? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Just given both ends of the floor um, and, and say, what would that look like? I mean, your, your first that you got from us. And then, I mean, it'd be, it'd be tough to. It's, I mean, I think if you're, if we're talking about Drew, we have to hope that it's, it's actually, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's Gary Harris first round pick. Yeah, Gary Harris first round pick, and probably I don't and know. Like, Where's our like another first round pick? Or Monte Morris, like a guy yeah. that's still, you know what second round draft picks is still on his rookie contract, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not sure I would do that for Drew Holiday. 
Like, yeah, I mean, that's not that's not a great... I mean, I think they would need two first, right? At least. Um, you know, Malik obviously was, like, a nice asset. Uh, he's gone. I don't think there's any way the Nuggets move MPJ or Jamal Murray for Drew Holiday. So that's kind of... The, the asset chest is low-key kind of bare. Yeah, but it's because... And it's not a sense of, like, we don't have anybody. It's just the people that we, that you do have are contributors so it's yeah. like an embarrassment of riches in a certain aspect yeah i i still believe the nuggets key to a championship's on the roster he just rolled his ankle at the wrong time and you know went through some mike malone is doing the coach thing so yep. we'll see we'll see what happens there um talking about trey daniels yeah <laughs> yeah i was actually thinking pj dozier there you go. PJ or Vlaco? Stud, by the way. I love PJ Dozier. I love six, 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 seven point guards that can't shoot. Who doesn't, dude? I That's mean, who doesn't? Uh, hey, may, you know, maybe he'll turn into Spencer Dinwiddie. Or he turns into Sean Livingston. Either one. I just thought of, uh, shoot. Oh, my God. This is going to drive me crazy. All right, I can't give dead silence. There's this one guy who's on the Nuggets like 10 years ago, though, 6'6", six, six, but I can't remember his name. You would know, but whatever. He was a point guard, Marco Yarich? No, he was a black dude. He was uh... – oh, my God. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm going to find uh, it I'm going I'm, I'm to look it up, and I'm gonna, I'll text you. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, okay, before we go – uh, listen to Zach Lowe and uh, David Thorpe today, two icons, uh, talking about who the most improved player was. I, it was a bummer, you know. It's like, yeah, no Nuggets are sniffing this list, that's for sure, yeah. uh, this year. Um, what are your thoughts on most improved player? So I feel like there's a lot of boring ways to go about most Wait, improved player. Just Julian Stone. Oh, just it's Julian Stone. Stone. Yeah, just Jordan remember. Jordan went to UTEP, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. He's tall. Right? He was tall, right? Yeah, he was like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I, I think that like when guys are that size and they can six, kind of go tall, they get a reputation of just being a tall point guard, when really that's probably not the case. Yeah. He um, was in, wow, his basketball, he was in Denver 2011 to 2013, and then had his... 23-game stint in Charlotte in 2017-2018. And 21 games in Toronto in 2013. So I, I knew that he was in Toronto. Did Donald Sloan ever play for the Nuggets? I don't think so. Let me peep. I know uh, that name. We, we can go to, yeah, Donald Sloan is like another guy like that who wasn't like terribly tough. Oh, he, he's still getting, he got paid by y'all last year. Donald Sloan. He must have gotten traded to us because that's know. what that, I think that's probably where I'm getting it from. But um, back to the the most improved player, yeah, I, I think that there's just like way too many like boring ways to go about it because I feel like um, like Luca would be the obvious one, right? Like going yeah. from just being good to being like ridiculously good, and I think that the same could be said for Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have like those guys, and I don't know if I would even lump Fred Van Vliet in with that group, but it's like a guy that's probably like already been somewhat established, um, yeah. which is not what I like to do. I like the, you know, the 
ridiculous most improved players. Yeah. Uh, so, like, my choice for that would definitely be Devontae Graham and kind of, like, the huge jump that he's taken from last year to this year. Because I think that probably the general consensus of the NBA would think that Devontae Graham is a rookie but did play a good amount of games last year and went from pretty much double, tripled his averages and everything. That's pretty um, unreal because watching him, he's, like, good. Like, he drills threes. Yeah, I mean, I think that he – I haven't looked it up. I want to say he shoots close to 40% and like probably takes at least four or five a game. So for him to not only play that well, but also play that well next to, um, holy crap. Do you know how many threes Devontae Graham takes a game? Nine. He takes 9.3 threes a game and shoots at a 38%. (laughs) That is wild. Jamal Murray, take notes. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> but essentially, yeah, I mean, he went from four points a game to 18 points a game and, you know, starting Gosh. a lot of these games and outplaying Terry Rozier, who they spent a lot of money to get. Yeah. So I, I think that, like, guys like that, you know. I, lo- I love how they let, like, Kemba walk to, like, pay Rozier almost $20 million a year. Like, okay. Yeah, but. I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's MJ, right? I feel like Charlotte's the closest NBA team to being run like an NFL team. If that makes any sense. It, it makes it makes a lot of sense in my brain. So being a Texans fan, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so um, like Devontae Graham would be like my main one. I like that. Now like Jalen Brown would be another one. Just considering yeah. like the change in role um, that he's gone on from being just like kind of like a defensive guy to kind of being a focal point on offense and defense so like those two and then i kind of teased this before we came on but medium did their data predictions to show mm-hmm. the most improved player and uh their calculations have and obviously it's ridiculous because like clint capello is on here um joe harris miles turner uh luke Kennard, number one. Oh, okay luke Kennard. I've heard- I mean, I've heard he's good. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Uh, yeah, I watch any Detroit basketball. Uh, the only Detroit basketball I watch is like when I go to the bar and it's like six o'clock and it's yeah. like many games on. So it's either Charlotte Hornets, Indiana Pacers, or it's Brooklyn Nets. Detroit. Yeah, maybe, maybe a Magic game. Spring. Um, he's he's been pretty decent. He's he's up to sixteen a game from almost ten, uh, shooting forty percent from three on like almost seven attempts. So I guess he is pretty good. Hey, there you go. Most improved player, Luke Kennard. I, that's, that's pretty funny. I literally like actually have never watched. I've probably watched him play like once. So. I, I've watched him at Duke. Like I, I, all I need to know is like how he was at Duke and in high school when I watched highlight videos. So Nuggets, Nuggets get killed on Twitter and all that with like Donovan Mitchell. It's like, it's got to hurt to be a Pistons fan. Think about how they'd feel if they had Don right now. Or Mello, ever. I saw that Mello was taking shots at Darko. That's just uncalled for. I saw that. Yeah. You know who Darko is. Come on. I mean, everybody does. I assume Carmelo that he'd have two titles if he got drafted by Detroit, though. At least. Oh, at least. I mean, that was our main team, but... Yeah. Um... 
I agree with your standpoint on most improved player in general. Like Luca, yeah, Pascal. Like they're already we knew they were kind of stars though. I mean, Pascal deserves that love because like he jumped to a number one option. But Luca, it's like, yeah, dude. I mean, we knew he was going to be a stud. So if he wins most improved, I'll be like, okay. Um, I'm I kind of lean towards I guess Brandon Ingram for me is kind of the one that personally I lean towards just because. I and I mean, there definitely is an anti-Laker bias on NBA Twitter, um, but people did really like talk about him like he wasn't good, and so to see him like make a real leap into being like I don't think he's like uh, I don't I mean he's he's probably a little over maybe even an over overrated being an All Star, but like he's actually really good. So um, I think he's probably toward the direction I would lean. And then like Bam out of bio kind of going from, oh yeah, he's fun to like, he's actually, you know, an all-star borderline all-star type guy. So um, those are the two that I kind of lean towards. And those are the guys that I gravitate towards. Yeah. Bam was on my honorable mention type thing, but I think it it kind of strays back to our original point of like, Bam was already really good. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just like him taking that next step to being kind of a focal point. So. I think Devonte Graham is more fun than both my answers. I think I'm trying to think of like one that's like even more fun than these. Like, well, like Derek Jones Jr. would be like low shouted out Duncan Robinson. I thought oh, Duncan, Duncan Robinson would be a good one. It's every Heat player essentially. Yeah, no, but really though, like it, Kendrick Nunn's a rookie, right? Uh, technically, technically, no. Well, technically, yes, because he's never played in the NBA, but he played in the G League last year. Yeah. He was actually committed to Texas A&M before he switched his uh, commitment to Illinois. So, well, Got it. Well, I figured that would be a fun random thing to end on, but uh, <laughs> Josh, thanks again for watching the game with me and coming on, dude. I really appreciate it. Um, I think we've done some really fun pods here so definitely appreciate your time bro of course man this is what i uh, have to look forward to during the week so <laughs> it's good to put something on the schedule man it really is um and everyone listening thank you for listening um you know where it's available if you have any nuggets fan friends let them know that we're re-watching some games the next one like i said the uh loss to minnesota that's going to be next week um so let me know if you have any questions or any thoughts uh definitely appreciate you being involved so um josh man it was it was good vibes and um always fun to talk hoops with you dude always man right, let's do this hopefully in the near future but not um social distancing so yeah uh, i can't wait dude we're gonna have a i'm gonna i drank one beer during this pod i'm gonna have like six when we do an in-person pod next time <laughs> there we go <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one, dude. Thank you. All right. Thanks, dude. Stay safe out there, everybody. Social distance. Um, talk to you soon.